grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. lesson for this 14th Sunday after Pentecost is found in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, beginning at the first verse. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, and he summoned the elders of Israel, its heads, its judges, and its officers, and they presented themselves before God. Then Joshua told all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has said. Joshua said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly and faithfully. Remove the gods that your fathers served in the region across the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if you'd see no benefit in serving the Lord, then choose for yourselves today whomever you will serve, whether the gods that your fathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The people responded by saying, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord in order to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he is the one who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, where we were slaves. He is the one who performed these great signs right before our eyes and protected us on the whole journey that we made and among all the people through whom we passed. The Lord drove out of our presence all the people and the Amorites who were living in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. This is the word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 60th verse. When they heard it, many of Jesus' disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, Does this cause you to stumble in your faith? What if you would see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh does not help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is given to him by my father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus asked the twelve, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, beginning at the 21st verse. And by submitting to one another in reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he himself is the Savior. Moreover, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives in the same way as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water in connection with the word. He did this so that he could present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, no stain or wrinkle or any such thing. But to that, she would be holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands have an obligation to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. To be sure, no one has ever hated his own body, but he nourishes and cherishes it. Nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will be one flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and, and truly heirs of everlasting life. So the couple were walking into the church. They were coming for marriage counseling. They were not holding hands. And the pastor could tell immediately, that they were clearly fighting on the way over. When they had the opportunity to sit down, he would ask them, may I ask, why are you here? And like the chugging of a train, it started out slowly, but it started to pick up speed. And when it got to its height, out came the ac accusations. He never does this. She never does that. And and I'm always giving, and he never gives. No, she uh, never gives, because I'm always giving. And, and they went on and on, blaming and pointing the fingers. And, and the, the anger was just, was just heating up the room to the point where the husband finally blurted out, See, Pastor, we got communication problems. Well, yes, they do have communication problems because their communication issues were not good at all. They weren't speaking well of each other. They were looking for the worst. They weren't following the Eighth Commandment where even Dr. Martin Luther wrote in his explanation, take a person's words and actions in the kindest possible way. But their communication wasn't the ultimate problem. It was only a symptom. Their problem was selfishness. And selfishness, no matter what form it takes, is always sinful. Because selfishness always likes to think that marriage is man's institution, and therefore we can do with it whatever we want. When in actuality, the absolute truth is, marriage is God's institution, and we are held accountable to him. So we turn our attention to Ephesians 5 where we hear the very creator himself 
marriage council. It is St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, but he's writing through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we consider these words God's words, not some man's opinion. The overlying principle when it comes to even Christian life is this, submitting to one another in reverence to Christ. Now, some translations take that sentence and actually have it as its own independent sentence. But in the original Greek language, which is the New Testament language, the original language, that is, that sentence is actually a dependent clause connected to an independent statement where Paul earlier says, be filled with the Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is working in your lives, calling you to faith and keeping you in the one true faith, that shows itself by submitting to one another, serving one another in reverence to Christ. Literally, in fear of Christ. And we certainly fear the Lord when it comes to the law, which shows us our sins, because if we break his holy commands, we know we deserve his anger and eternal wrath. But we also fear the Lord in the sense of the gospel. For the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us and paid for our sins. And therefore, it is out of fear in the sense of afraid of hurting him that we live with honor and respect of our Lord. And that is submitting to one another in reverence to Christ. Another way to put it is we love because he first loved us. And it is with that love, that love founded in Christ, that the Lord reveals to us through St. Paul, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, this statement over the years has been one that has been appalling to people. They have been upset by such a statement. A wife submitting to her husband sounds like a second-class citizen. Sounds like you're treating her like some animal. She's supposed to be a slave to her husband. That's appalling when it comes to this woke culture we live in. They think that submitting means you're putting yourself under someone, which means you're putting them yourself under someone, and that makes you less important and less valuable. Yes, the word submitting does mean you, put, you place yourself under somebody, but not in the sense of importance and value. For the root word in the original language actually is the word for order. Think of it this way. you got a big, husky truck driver driving a large semi, and all of a sudden he comes to a complete stop because this little girl is holding up a stop sign wearing a yellow vest as she's leading children across the street. Did he submit to her and stop his truck because he was less important than she was? Because he was less valuable than she was? No, he stopped because that's the orderly thing to do. Our government set up the order in order to keep people safe. And the Lord God himself has set up an order when it comes to husbands and wives. 
In fact, already in the Garden of Eden, God set up the order of the man to be in the headship role and the woman to be in the helpmate role. These are not two lesser roles. One is not more important than the other, but they are not equal roles. They are different. They are unique. And when the husband and wife practice them together, no wife is threatened by her husband, nor is a husband threatened by his wife. So, the example that we have here when it comes to wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, is not a slave-master relationship, but instead it is the relationship of Christ and the church. Christ is the head. We are the church. Church are the believers. We are his body. We belong to him. We submit to Christ not because we are less than he is. To a certain extent, you could say we are because he's the Savior and Creator and the Almighty. But no, we serve him out of thankful love because he saved us. And with that same attitude, empowered and motivated by the very love of Christ, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And notice he does say, in everything. Now what, what happens if my husband is asking me to do something contrary to God's word? Then submit to your husband as to the Lord. That when you submit to your husband, the Lord is always first in our lives. And everything we do say and think is to give glory to our Lord. And may no husband ever ask his wife to do something contrary to that word. It would be sinful. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Did you notice he didn't say... Husbands, make sure your wife does this. Notice he didn't say, wives, make sure you rule, control, and manipulate your husband. And notice he didn't say, wives, submit to your husband as long as your husband is doing his part. No matter what your husband does or does not do, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So often people think of marriage as a 50-50 proposition. Okay, I'll give 50% and I'll get 50% in return. I maintain that that's the reason why we see so many divorces. Because sooner or later, if marriage is just 50-50, there will always be an argument of, are you getting your fair share? And my friends, that's selfishness. So... Marriage is really 100% giving and 0% taking. Whether my husband does his part or not, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord and serve your Lord by being a faithful wife to your husband. And that is also true of husbands. Husbands, love your wives. The love here is not a friendship love. In the original language, it's not even the erotic love. It's actually agape love. It's the love between Christ and the church. Notice, he says, husbands, love your wives. He didn't say, wives, make sure your husbands do this. He didn't say, husbands, make sure you control, rule, and manipulate your wives and bully them. And he also didn't say, well, love your wives only when she submits to you. No matter what.
what she does or does not do. Husbands, love your wives and love them with an unselfish love, just as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He gave his life up for her. In fact, in the, in the original Greek, it doesn't come well in the English, um, in, in literal translation. It, it, uh, it, it makes more sense, but, but, but here you have different sentences. But in the original Greek, it, it really says he, he, he gave himself up for her for three reasons. One is to, to make her holy, to set her apart as people for the Lord. And notice what is the means of, of setting her apart for the Lord. Baptism. It's water in the connection with the word. With word in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That, that person is made holy because as so many teach today, baptism, seeing baptism as simply a good work we do or some Christian duty we have to perform, it's just not true. It is a means of grace. It, it is a sacrament where God works in us all the blessings that he won for us on the cross with water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We receive the blessings of forgiveness and new life and eternal salvation. And not only did he give up his life to make her holy, but he gave up his life. As it says here, he did this so he could present her to himself as a glorious church with no stain or wrinkle or any such thing. His bride, the church, was ugly, tainted by sin, cursed with everlasting condemnation and hell. And what did he do for her? He gave up his life. And now, through faith in the sacrifice that he made for her and all the blessings connected with her, he gave her his righteousness. And so with that righteousness, she would be right in the sight of the Almighty. And righteousness, my friends, is the ticket, of, is the ticket to heaven. And not only that, <clears throat> it says here, so that she would be holy and blameless. So on the last day, we could stand before the Almighty, knowing that we are sinful human beings who don't deserve heaven. But we stand before the gates of heaven, knowing that Jesus has washed us clean by his blood. And with his righteousness, that robe of righteousness, that garment of salvation, which is the bride's wedding dress. We stand before God knowing we are heirs of everlasting life. And we stand already this day knowing that through faith in Christ Jesus. Husbands, with that kind of love, that unselfish, unconditional, never failing, love. Love your wives. But that's not the only reason to love her. He also goes on to, to point out that you love her because she's your own body. St. Paul brings up the Old Testament passage, which, by the way, after he brought Adam and Eve together, we have this beautiful marriage statement in Genesis saying, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
Jesus in Matthew says they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. They are one in God's sight. My friends, it's neither sane nor right to hurt and harm your own body. And it's neither sane nor right to hurt your wife, who is your body. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, alone, nor does the husband's body belong to him alone. They are one flesh. A person cares and nourishes for that body. And husbands, love your wives by taking care of them. What would you say is the heart of marriage? I've heard it said so many times that the heart of marriage is your feelings. I need to have a marriage where my feelings are met, where my feelings are satisfied. And if my feelings are not met and satisfied, then I see no reason to continue in this marriage. My dear friends, the heart of marriage is more than feelings. It's Jesus Christ. And this is why I'm a strong believer that as a person grows and in their faith in Jesus Christ, and when a couple grows together in their relationship to their Lord and Savior, clinging to the holy word of God, it will not be surprising that they will grow together in their love for each other because they have a marriage that is founded on Jesus Christ and not simply on feelings that's like a roller coaster. It's up and down, it's all over. But to be founded on the sure foundation of Christ, this is a house that will not tumble because it is a house that clings to these words. Words of a happy and healthy marriage. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is truly an amen. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.